Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to episode 110 of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is Mike here, and I recently had the opportunity to speak on the Business of Podcasting panel at Startup Week Columbus. And if there's one thing I noticed, it's that a lot of people out there are interested in starting their own podcast, but aren't sure where to start. So we've decided to put together a podcast startup package with everything we've learned about building and growing a podcast to help you get there. You can pre-register for the Conquering Columbus podcast startup package now by heading over to our website, conqueringcolumbus.com. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And as always, we hope you learn a lot. Before we get to that interview, though, I want to ask you all for a quick favor. If you haven't already, pick up your phone and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're listening on. It really helps support our show and it'll make sure you never miss a single episode of Conquering Columbus. We also want to take a moment to thank some of our supporters. Conquering Columbus is brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. And for more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. Our next sponsor you might be slightly familiar with. You may recall a previous Conquering Columbus episode we did, episode number 26. We interviewed Stuart Crane, who bootstrapped his healthware software business to an eventual $43 million exit in 2013. Well, he's back at it with a new startup called Voice Metrics, based here in Columbus, Ohio. Stuart's new company got going last fall, and they've landed a number of customers, including Crosschecks, which is one of Columbus's high flying VC backed companies. Voice Metrics is a voice application available for Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri that allows businesses to get their KPIs, metrics, and any business information just by asking. To give you an example of how this works, here's what it sounds like. Open voice metrics. Good morning, Robert. Our sales yesterday was $17,500, and we had 24 new signups. Website traffic is up 13%, and we are 82% to our monthly revenue goal. Have a great day. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them is a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software. They serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more and check out a free trial at GoFMX.com. Mike here again. Do you want to be a sponsor of Conquering Columbus? We are looking for some new supporters to help keep the show going in 2018. To inquire about how you can help support the podcast, please send an email to Mike at ConqueringColumbus.com. All right, Conquerors, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. 
This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Today on the show, we have Mr. Wayne Herrer, and Wayne is the Executive Managing Director at Newmark Knight Frank, and he has over 30 years of experience in the commercial real estate industry. Wayne was also the top producer for 20 straight years at Newmark Knight Frank, and he has a lot of great insights into the Columbus real estate market, as well as commercial real estate in general. And welcome to Conquering Columbus, Wayne. We're really excited to have you here today. Glad to be here. I had a little mix-up yesterday, and an old teammate from my Clippers popped into town. And uh, not that you guys aren't more important, but I hadn't seen him in about 30 years. So <laughs> we started uh, uh, reminiscing, and all of a sudden it was uh, by the hour. But I apologize. I'm glad I'm here tonight and happy to uh, be on the show. Yeah, we're glad you made it, too. Was he in town for the All-Star game? Uh, actually, I told him to come in that night. He came in the day after. He's kind of on the, one of those road trips where he drops in on all his buddies and gets a round of golf in and, and reminisces. So he'll head from here to Pittsburgh, then to Connecticut, and back down the East Coast to Florida. And you mentioned you played for the Clippers for a little bit, correct? Yeah, I did. I played minor league baseball for nine years. I uh, then worked for the Yankees as a batting practice pitcher in 1983, even though uh, I was an outfielder. Interesting thing about that team was that Billy Martin, the late Billy Martin, was the manager. So it was uh, never a dull moment. Don't know if you, any of your listeners remember Billy Martin, but he was a fiery guy. So uh, got a lot of stories. That's for another show, though. So one place we'd like to start is uh, a little bit about what you just talked about. Maybe even before that, we'll talk about your childhood growing up and then your path to getting into real estate and kind of what that looked like. So maybe let's start back. Um, where were you born and kind of... Any siblings? So, yeah, born in the suburban Chicago and grew up there in a great community, uh, Glenview. How would you know Glenview? Maybe uh, if anybody's in the Navy or father or grandfather in the Navy, they had a Glenview Naval Air Base. was not far from our house. About 18 miles out of uh, the loop of Chicago and uh, uh, grew up there and uh, had uh, two brothers and a sister. And, uh, oh, I don't know, the TV shows back then were Leave it to Beaver and things like that. So uh, I think you get the picture. <laughs> and then uh, where did it go from there? Did you go to college anywhere, high school? Yeah, so I went to high school there at Glenbrook South High School, and I played all the sports, football, basketball, and baseball. Basketball coach didn't want us to play hockey while we were playing basketball, so we'd sneak out and play in the rec leagues under a different name. I don't know how we got away with it, but we did. Um, and then I was going to go to the University of Illinois uh, and just walk on for baseball, and a... Uh, a friend of a coach uh, who was getting the job at University of New Orleans, I uh, played on his team in the summer league, and he said, you ought to uh, be playing at a, uh, at a bigger program or a, a program in the South, so I ended up getting a scholarship to the University of New Orleans down in, uh, down in New Orleans. And, and there in New Orleans, so what was that? I mean, that, obviously, New Orleans is <laughs> yeah. a fun town, especially for a young guy. I mean, hey, what was that experience like? Did you have a lot of fun there? What were you studying? So I was in a business major. Um, uh, business marketing and all the all the classes that, that go along with that accounting etc and of course we played a great baseball schedule that's why I went down there I still wanted had the dream of playing uh, major league baseball so we'd play all the big schools down there the Mississippi States the South Alabama LSU Miami of Florida on and on all that kind of that southern SEC area um, and we were kind of the new kid on the block and a, a new program so um, you know, it was great competition and a great way to be seen. So I was seen uh, by a lot of scouts in that area. I was signed by the Red Sox in the January of 74. And uh, that was in my junior year. So I signed with them and uh, went to Winter Haven, Florida to play A-ball in the Florida State League. 
and pretty much from there just up the Red Sox chain and stopped in uh, Pawtucket, Rhode Island, AAA in the um, International League. And an interesting note is that the first game back in the renovated Cooper Stadium, was Franklin County Stadium back then, we were the team, in their first home game, I think it was like April 13th of 77, and the Clippers then were a Pittsburgh Pirate affiliate. So we had a pretty good team. We did lose that game, uh, but after that, we, I think we beat them like 17 out of 20. But anyway, uh, we won the league that year, and I led the league in hitting. So that was a, that was a pretty good year in 77. Um, and in 78, back to Pawtucket, not such a good year. And then I was released in uh, 79, signed with the Yankees, and came to Columbus and played uh, 80, 81, and 82 for the Clippers. And they were the Yankee affiliate. So good teams there. They won the pennant in 79, 80, 81. We didn't quite make it in 82. And the big names on those teams, a lot of guys passing through, but uh, Don Mattingly, of course, had a big career with the Yankees, as did Dave Rigetti. So those were probably the two big names who passed through Columbus who I played with. But a great experience, and fans turned out. Of course, the new ballpark now. We just had the All-Star game. And I'm on the board of directors, so I have a nice, shiny international league. and. Uh, Triple uh, A championship ring here, so it's st I still stay involved and do some announcing with the with the uh, uh, Spectrum Sports with Scott Leo and Ryan Mitchell, do about eight or ten home games, and uh, so stay involved with it, and it's a good good way to stay involved in the game. So obviously, it's it's really clear that baseball is a real passion for you. In junior year of college, I mean, you just up and you, and you took your chance. You didn't finish college through then, right? You just jumped out. Uh huh. So I always in the back of my mind said uh, finish college. So as it turned out. A lot of the kids in the Chicago area go to Miami of Ohio. Miami University, they don't like Miami of Ohio, right? They were the Redskins back then. That's politically incorrect, but. Uh, <laughs> so they said, a um, bunch of guys, you know, would have a house just off campus, and uh, why don't you finish up at Miami during your season? Because they were on the quarter system back then, and I could get, at the end of our AAA season in uh, September, you could still get into the quarter system in mid-late September get the winter quarter, I'm sorry, the fall quarter in, and then the winter quarter in, and get done just in time, take your exams early, get down to spring training the first part of March. So that worked out well, so I did get my, my degree from uh, Miami in business. Okay, yeah. and you wrap up your baseball career in what year? So 82 as a player, uh, and then uh, I got released out of spring training uh, in 83, and uh, they asked if I wanted to try coaching in Florida, be a coach at the A-Ball Club in Fort Lauderdale. So I said, sure. <laughs> I'm already down here, I got my stuff. Uh, about two days later, they changed their minds and they what, you know, didn't have it in the budget or whatever. So I was back here, was back for about two days, get a call from the Yankees and said, uh, Mr. Steinbrenner wants a left-handed batting practice pitcher. Okay, I played the outfield, uh, <laughs> but I did throw left-handed. Because in Yankee Stadium, uh, uh, the, even the old stadium and the new stadium, the, le the right field porch is about 295 feet. I mean, it's short. So all the other teams pitching against the Yankees would bring in left-handed pitchers to negate their left-handed power. So somebody said, we need a left-handed batting practice pitcher. So they see it from the left side to get used to it during the game. Whether it worked, I don't know. But anyway, they called me up and said, uh, we want you to do that. I said, great, you know, and, uh, you know, travel with the big league club and all the nice hotels, charter flights, kind of the, what the dream I was living for as a player. 
that didn't materialize. And so I said, okay. I said, when do you need me there? And he said, tomorrow we're facing the Minnesota Twins and they're pitching Frank Viola. <laughs> so I packed up my car that night, got up at about four or five in the morning, drove straight through to New York. They had my name there, I walked in. The first guy to greet me with a bag of brand new balls is Yogi Berra. He says, I'm Yogi Berra, kid, and you've got the lineup. So uh, uh, the rest of that year is history, but it was a fun year. It was you know, a lot of travel, obviously, and uh, you know, hanging around the big league ballparks and players, and uh, it was fun. Uh, they finished third, and the players voted me a quarter share, so if we would have won the World Series, uh, World Series share was on about $100,000 or so, so third place money was not that big, so I think I got a check for like $3,000. But uh, anyway, a um, uh, lot of good, good stories, a lot of fun, again, for another show. <laughs> and, and, and now that we're here, kind of from that point, when do you get involved in real estate right. business? When do you come back to Columbus? Yeah, so after the season, they said, do you want to do it again? And I said, well, one thing, my arm was killing me. I've since had my left shoulder joint replaced. <laughs> Let too, many bat too many batting practice pitches. Um, but um, I said, you know, I have a degree. I'm going to maybe see how the other side uh, lives. And so uh, I had a degree. A friend of mine, Greg Cochran, had, had uh, kind of had bad arm. He was a pitcher and gone to work in real estate in Phoenix, Arizona, with that time Coldwell Banker, which has morphed into CBRE. Uh, might, might know that name better. But anyway, so uh, he told me that you just, you know, he looked at his directory, opened a Columbus office the year before. So they got to be hiring, right? They're going to staff up to 20 or 30 uh, agents. So I went out and bought a suit and <laughs> didn't have to wear them that much uh, traveling around in the minor leagues. Uh, and uh, called the guy for an interview and, uh, you know, a few weeks later got hired. So in January of 84, started with them uh, in the real estate as a office specialist or office leasing specialist. And uh, here we are, oh, what, 34 years later? Uh, so the rest, as they say, is history. So got involved. It's a great industry in so much that it is competitive. Uh, so that helps. Takes a lot of energy and uh, relationship business. So the more you can go out and meet people, develop relationships, network, uh, learn the marketplace, uh, you know, the more, you, uh, the more you, you figure it out. What were some of your first responsibilities in those roles? Were you brokering properties at that time, or kind of what did that look like for you? I'm sorry, in the early 80s? I mean, when yeah, I first yeah. got started? Yep. So generally, you mentor or team up with a, a, you know, a more experienced person. That person for me was Chuck Minofsky, but he'd only been, a, he'd sold residential, but he'd only been in commercial a couple years. And so we teamed up, and we focused on the downtown market. And uh, we had some listings, and then uh, you represent the building if you have the listing, and then if you... Uh, develop a relationship with a tenant, uh, then you represent the tenant to find them the property, negotiate the best business terms, and eventually uh, get them office space to, to move into. Or uh, find a building to buy, or a listing on the other side would be uh, take a listing to sell and or lease. So uh, yeah, we got started pretty quickly. Uh, uh, you know, they, uh, they had a pretty good training program. You know, you go out and you, you what we call you map all the buildings, all the addresses, who owns them, who the agents are, who the property managers are, who all the tenants are, uh, how much is the rent, what are the operating expenses and taxes, and so you really get into the lingo, and you know they they'd have training either in that office or send us to Cincinnati or Washington to D.C. and have regional training. So it was a it was a good program. 
And what was the Columbus market like back then? I mean, it's got to be a lot different yeah, from no what it is today. Yeah, no question a lot different. No question about it. Um, so the downtown, there were two new buildings coming online about when I got started. One would be the Huntington Center, which was where the old Neal House was, which ironically was where the we stayed as a visiting team when we played the Clippers in 77-78. Uh, Neal House was torn down and a million square foot Huntington Center uh, followed. The other was Capitol Square. 65 East State Street, developed by the Galbraith Company with the hotel. At that time, it was Hyatt, and now I think it's, I think it's Sheridan. But anyway, and then right after that in 86 was one Columbus. So there were three new buildings coming online uh, at those mid-80s. So there was growth, although the suburban market seemed to be growing a little bit faster. The Dublins, the Worthingtons, the Westervilles, down the road Easton, um, so as the population of the roads, you know, 315 was done, 670 was done, uh, you know, the, su the suburbs in office developed pretty quickly too. Downtown was fairly stable, not quite as much growth at that time, and now we're seeing kind of the worms turn a little bit. Still growth in the suburbs, but the downtown has just been amazing the last five years or so. And how have your responsibilities changed at this point? What things are you focused on today? Um, as opposed to obviously what you were focused on throughout the beginning of your career. Yeah, so uh, I've been very fortunate to be get involved with Nationwide Insurance and uh, Nationwide Realty Investors to be specific. And of course, we're sitting in uh, one of their developments here at Grandview Yard. Uh, and if we, I've been uh, doing the leasing in the Arena District for 20 years. Uh, when the vote for the Arena went down in 97, we were called in. Uh, our chairman, Frank Cass, had a a good relationship with Nationwide Realty. And then I had done some leasing with them as for Nationwide Development in the early 90s. That was two Nationwide Plaza. And when they built three Nationwide, a lot of those tenants moved over there, or a lot of Nationwide people. So I had to lease two Nationwide, was successful there. So kind of had a track record with them. And so we were hired to lease the Arena District, and they laid out the plan to privately build the arena and then the million and a half odd square feet of office and retail and now a lot of apartments and condos there too. And the development just keeps going. Uh, you know, the casino was gonna go over there west of the ballpark and so they have that land. The casino was built out uh, by Westland Mall. So that'll be probably more uh, apartments, condos, single family. But the, the district keeps kind of spreading out and so, um, uh, you know, we, we deal with new tenants, uh, renewal of tenants, and then uh, filling space where tenants may have moved out. So kind of keeps you busy, and that's been uh, good. And, you know, Grandview Yard has, you know, gone gone great, too. Uh, this used to be the old Big Bear warehouses and freezers and everything else before you guys were born, probably. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so this is 100 acres of, of a great development, and, of course, City of Grandview has benefited also. And, and so I want to talk a little bit about how your role has changed over the years and specifically have you taken on leadership are you a mentor now like what how has that process gone for you and what's your experiences like there that's a great question because uh definitely been uh i, I look for young folks who want to get into the real estate business and uh i can probably uh you know name off probably five to ten maybe more that uh have i've mentored over the last 15 20 years and they've all for the most part, been you know very successful. Some have moved on to other firms, uh, other opportunities. But for the most part, they've all they've all been uh, they've all been uh, successful. But I kind of go back to the old uh, 
little bit of old school. I said, you're going to have to meet the people that you're going to do business with, and you're going to have to show them that you know, you know, you can back up what you're talking about, that you can, you know, do what you say you're going to do and represent them in the best way you can. Uh, and, you know, show them that you work hard and, uh, it, you know, the work's important to you because it, it's really a business where they almost call it a second, I call it a second job business, whether you're a ball player before or you're a teacher or you're in the military or selling, you know, copiers or cars or whatever. Somewhere you think, I want something else. And in real estate, you got to go in and sell out. I mean, the early years are a lot of hours and a lot of uh, grunt work, I'll say. Learning the buildings, learning the tenants, learning the marketplace, uh, networking, you know, connecting the dots. Um, so I just tell the, uh, the young folks, pick a territory generally whether it be a suburban market, a Dublin, an Easton, a Polaris, or a downtown, and pick a specialty. Uh, obviously, if you're office, you're in those markets. If you're in warehouse, you might be in Groveport, or uh, the West Side, or somewhere like that, but specialize so you are the expert in that property type and that area, and, that, and that's how you develop your business. And then from there, you can grow it out from your home base, if you will. And how do you eventually reach that escape velocity as going from grinding the long hours to the point where you can finally start living like a work-life balance but still making good money? Is it because people know you so well and they know you, yeah, you're the expert? That helps. That helps. Uh, referrals, uh, testimonials, word of mouth. Um, to, to develop a reputation takes some time. I don't know. We're, I mean, we're basically on a commission-based business. I don't know if you're ever comfortable <laughs> Uh, doing it, and maybe that's good because you keep you got to keep the fire lit, if you will. And uh, every day you got to, you know, it's a race from pick a number eight to five, nine to five, <laughs> eight to eight to eight. Uh, it's a race, so uh, it's uh, that's probably the drew me to the business. It's it's a every day that competitive, like baseball. Every day is a new game, and you got to go out and do it. And at the same token. Uh, it's a long, it's a marathon. It's not a one day or two day or a two year. It's a 30 some year uh, career. So it, uh, it uh, really is a sellout business. And I think whatever firm somebody went with or our firm or with me or mentor one of the other people in the office, you know, they can give you that direction, uh, you know, to get started in the business. But it's not a quick hit. It's, I mean, you can get a quick hit, but it's a, I tell people you better have some reserve for you know a year or two before you get up and make a make a living quote unquote and then you know as you develop more and more business and you kind of figure it out I guess is uh, when you can develop the lifestyle you want to settle into I mean you make as much money I guess as you want uh, if you work hard enough and maybe get a little bit lucky but you know the harder you work the luckier you get so I'm gonna stay with that motto. Mm -hmm. What about today? Are you comfortable today at, at this point? Oh yeah, I mean I I am. Although uh, I, I you know what I I go I almost thought like uh, I, I see one of your lines here. How, what you, what was your day like today? I did sneak out and play golf. I had torn my Achilles tendon, so I'm I'm th uh, three months out, so I finally got clearance to play golf. So I missed three. So on a nice day, I snuck out at 1:30 and and played some golf. But 
but the the you know the fact of the matter, yeah, I I am, but I still like the action. I can't play golf every day. <laughs> maybe there's a little ADD in there. I don't know what, but uh, maybe that helps in the business because that's the other thing you you have to develop. You can't just work on one transaction because you know that might not make you a living that year. If it's a huge transaction, you know, selling a two hundred thousand foot building or a two hundred thousand foot lease, fine, but it's not one tra uh, one transaction. You got to sometimes keep hate to say it, 20, 30 balls in the air, because they're all at different points, and they're all not going to close. So if you hit 300 or 500 using baseball, uh, you know, you're probably doing pretty good. So, you know, you work the numbers, you got to keep 30 or 40 deals in the in the hopper and hopefully close, you know, half of them, two-thirds of them, and, and uh, you know, set your goals and how much you want to make, and then you know, how much you got to lease or sell to get there. That's kind of the formula. And you're going to get uh, some surprise that you get to the goal line and they don't close. Or you might get surprised one might land in your lap, too. So hopefully uh, they land in their lap more than they, more than they fall apart. So it's somewhat a numbers game. Um, obviously, you, the more you're in it, the more you can figure out um, if you're, quote, unquote, wasting your time on a transaction, like it's so far-fetched, you know, why am I even chasing this? Because when you're early in career, a little younger, you probably have a lot more energy, and you start chasing all over. The, the key there is not to chase, it, let's just say you're an office a leasing or sales specialist, you don't want to chase all of a sudden a 2,000 square foot pizza shop on the west side, or, uh, you know, a, a 2,000 square foot warehouse on the south side or whatever, and all of a sudden you're running running in circles all over the place. You've got to somehow try to stay focused in your specialty. Not that you can't work on that transaction, but generally working with a retail specialist for the restaurant or an industrial specialist for that, and you won't make as much money. You'll split that fee, but on the other hand, you won't waste as much time learning that market, trying to figure it out, and and do it, go to somebody in the office who specializes in that area and that product and say, hey, here's a guy who needs X. Can you help him out and pay me a referral or you know, split the fee somehow? So, you, I mean, you figure that out over time. It, experience definitely helps. But, um, you know, hard work and energy can, can help, you know, get you to that experience also. Yeah, and so a question I would have would be focused more around on the Columbus market in general and what your expectations are for the market over the next five years. We've been hot, obviously, and we've got a lot of people moving in. Do you see that trend continuing? So, been reading, uh, like everybody does, read a lot of the newspaper, listen to newscasts, uh, go to seminars, and we had a Newmark top producer meeting down in uh, Miami back in April, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. When this, generally, you know, I've seen, uh, let's see, it got in just out of the recession of 82, 83, in 84, things started to climb back. Then there was a little hiccup in 91, 92. A uh, little hiccup in, uh, I call it the dot-com uh, recession in 2001. I think we all know what happened in uh, <laughs> 2008. There have been books, movies, and we lived it. There was something and, bad. Yeah, yeah that, that, was, that was fun. Um, and here we are in 2018. So you could say, gee, generally, you know, eight to 10 years, here we go. And so they said, well, time out. They just passed the largest corporate tax cut in the history of the country. So you've read about, you know, they're giving out $1,000 bonuses to all employees or 
they're buying back their stock or they're reinvesting in their facilities or you know buying another office building leasing more office space so they everybody the corporations got the 20 percent raise and that's obviously affecting the economy so so this isn't the normal cycle where it's eight to ten years say plus or minus this could go another Knock on wood, another five, eight, ten years. Who knows? You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on the glasses half full, and go with it because I haven't seen the slowdown. The activity, here we are in July of 18, is still pretty brisk, and we're busy. So, I'm going, I'm going that way. Obviously, it could be wrong. There's a lot of, uh, oh, what do you say? A lot of <laughs> things that could trip things up out there that we all know. But I'm gonna go with. Uh, go with the glasses half full and hope it goes another five to ten years. And I think personally, and not that I know much about real estate, but it seems like that there's a little more caution in the market still these days. Back in 2007, 2008, people thought, hey, it's going up forever. Right. And there's never, nothing's ever going to change. Yep. It's going up, 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 up. And, we'll not, and, and I think that, that that experience has kind of tampered some spirits yep. a little bit a little to make bit. be a little more cautious. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, uh, the movies or the books were... <laughs> <laughs> when the bartender was getting uh, finance for a seven hundred thousand dollar house down in Florida, you knew something. Right. Was wrong. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I think so. A little bit more, a little bit more cautious, and um, I, you know, with technology, everybody's more efficient. And um, but on the same token, there's industries that are popping up because of technology in everything, even insurance and uh, uh, finance and banking and and everything that. Um, that is really feeding more or more and more jobs. And of course, Columbus is a great market for that. Uh, young population, you've got Ohio State, and then don't forget about all the other colleges within the region. And a uh, good road system, affordable housing, a hot, hot housing market, but affordable housing, and uh, you know, a great, great young city. So uh, we're seeing it spill over to Franklinton. Uh, West Broad Street, you know, people have put their flag in on the, the west side of west of the river, which, you know, five years ago you never would have seen. Uh, the peninsula is going to be developed. Um, the arena district keeps growing. The short north is hot. Uh, and then the, the, the market I never thought was as deep is the co-working market. just uh, blows my mind. I mean, industrious and Regis's concept spaces and the local Kyle Katz and April, his wife, Versus and Office Evolution, and I'm probably missing three or four. So, and they say that could grow because now the big companies are getting into it. So they go into a city and have a project team to work on something instead of leasing office space for 5,000 feet or whatever, they'll go into these co-working and say, well, you know, put 20 people in there and kind of see if we can get a foothold, see how it goes. And they think that'll happen more and more. So now the question there is if there is a downturn or recession, does the co-working space get hurt or does it get helped? Uh, I don't know. I don't have the answer yet. At a personal level, you know, now that you've reached um, a pretty substantial amount of success in your career and what, what are the goals look like for you for your future? Like what do you think about now and like even if you reflect back um, I guess I guess there's two questions to this. Reflecting back as you've gone through it, what seems like the most important um, milestones of your career then up to now? And then what do you think are going to be the most important milestones moving forward? So believe it or not, I still got, you know, still got the 
the, the fire burning a little bit. I still like the real estate industry, the real estate business. I've been very fortunate to work on projects that right when they were getting started, and I'll go back to Easton, so we're, we're Continental then, of course we're now Newmark. We started uh, Easton with the Georgetown Company, and of course limited, at least the leasing we didn't. And so we brought, started the Easton Oval out there, um, did leases with Chase, did leases with um, um, Huntington, sold, I'm sorry, sold ground to Huntington, sold ground to the Duke Realty uh, back then. Uh, they're kind of out of the office market here and just focusing on industrial. They sold their office portfolio. But so they developed uh, four or five buildings out there. So, and then kind of right when that was uh, winding down, then the arena district came on and uh, the first building opened up in 2000 with the hockey season. So very fortunate in the 90s when I went to Continental at 95 to work on five years at Easton and then kind of roll in the arena district and then Granby Yard. So actually I'm still looking for that next new project <laughs> to, uh, which gets you excited because you can really uh, dig in on that. You can really see the features and benefits. What are the amenities? Um, you know, if you're living in the suburbs, how do you get there? If you're, you know, there's things that, uh, I know it's coming, but there's one thing about uh, leasing and selling offices. People want to see it, feel it, touch it. Where do they eat? Uh, where's the daycare? How far is it to the golf course? <laughs> Uh, it, so it's still a hands-on business where, I hate to say it, you're not on Amazon uh, leasing your office space. So, and you know, again, it may be coming, but uh, that's why now knowing the marketplace and having the relationships can really uh, help you succeed in the business. What about on a personal level? Anything that's, uh, you know, just really sticking out to you like bucket list items things that you just really want to continue to accomplish or in the in the real estate business oh just at a personal level oh, okay uh let's see i'd like to play a little better golf no just kidding <laughs> um you know I, I hurt my achilles playing hockey so now my goal on a on a physical thing is to get back to skate although everybody says you're an idiot don't skate anymore you might break the other achilles so but still like yeah you know, still like the uh that that side of uh, you know working out, competing, even though it's not you know at a, a, level, a pro level like baseball was, it's still fun. You know, you still you know it's not not like you're in the pros anymore, but it's still fun to play and compete, and you know hopefully not get hurt. You know, to probably probably take a little more time, travel more, things like that. Uh, my my kids have grown, and uh, hate to say it, but or no, I'm happy to say it. Be a grandpa in the fall. So I, I don't want the name Grandpa. I want to be Big Poppy. <laughs> played in Boston, by the way. Uh, so we'll name this episode for you. Yeah. So I'm going to make sure that it, that I get a name like that and not the other way. But so that's exciting. And all my kids are uh, very, uh, you know, very successful. Very proud of them. But none of them live here. One in uh, one in L.A., one in Chicago, and the daughter just graduated from vet school. She's in New York working. So uh, the good news, I get to go to cool cities. The bad news is it. You got to get on a plane every time, but uh, that's okay. What do the kids in uh, Chicago and LA do? So uh, Kyle, the oldest Chicago, trades uh, fixed income bonds for Barclays Bank. Ryan, the next one, he's a uh, assistant script writer for Nickelodeon Studios, I guess, or Nickelodeon. We probably all see those shows, or did watch them, maybe. And then uh, uh, Kevin, our daughter, works for the American Society Against Cruelty for Animals. I think I said that right. 
ASCPA in New York, right in Manhattan. So she's got an apartment in Manhattan and walks two blocks to work. So I don't know if they'll come back to Columbus. I keep telling them it's a big city now, but <laughs> I don't know if they'll uh, buy it. They all grew up here, went to Arlington High School, and went to all great schools. And so very, very, very proud of them. Yeah, they sound really successful. Kind of what, um, you know, reaching that level of success, both as yourself and then having your children reach that too, do you see anything that you were able to really instill in them or anything that was instilled in them, you know, intrinsically that kind of led that's them a, to that yeah, level? That's a good one. Um, who, I, I guess, I mean, probably the work ethic. Uh, they probably saw that. I mean, I, you know, get after it every day. Uh, the competitive. I don't know. If that's probably my, my brother. Older, when you have an older brother, you're usually drug into it, right? So older brother, my dad, they were all loved sports. And it's long as I can remember growing up, it was either playing it or watching it or something. Uh, so the uh, the work ethic, the competitive nature, and yet you know be a you know be a good citizen. So um, I think that's uh, that's probably the three that I would I would throw out there. Absolutely, and I think Wayne, that's a good place to pivot towards our last question of the show. It's centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, which is live uncomfortably. Mm. And without telling you too much about what Josh and I think about the phrase, what do you think of when you hear it, and what does it mean relative to your life and career? Well, I think the the nature of the business, um, you uh, eat what you kill, I guess. So you go out and uh, make your make your own, you know, you make your own business pretty much. Even though we're with a company, you really have your own business because um, you develop, uh, you know, your specialty, uh, your reputation. Um, and then, you know, you're really a consultant for whether it's a landlord or the tenant or the buyer or the seller. Uh, you know, you really, you really, uh, you put yourself in their shoes and what would be the best thing for their company? Should they go lease space here or there? Should they buy a building? Should they renew their lease? You know, that, those type of things uh, enter in. So, again, knowing the marketplace and sometimes you're dealing with real estate people who aren't based here. So they have a branch office or a, uh, they're based in Cleveland, have a law office here, whatever the case may be. So you either got to educate them, bring them up with your market knowledge, uh, or you got to make sure that they're comfortable with, you know, that you know the market, you know, you got it down. So, so we kind of live uncomfortably every day in that respect, because, you know, it's not like every two weeks we're getting a paycheck. Uh, so that's, uh, that's interesting sometimes. <laughs> And then live uncomfortably. I, you know, I, I, I probably um, there's 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 areas I, when I see other people like uh, you know owning more property, maybe a lot more risk there. Um, you know, when you put your line on the on the mortgage to buy an office building or whatever, there's some risk. Uh, although, if you get the right team and know the marketplace, that should you know you should be able to figure that out. Now, some things you can't control, whether the interest rates go up or there's a recession coming down the road, some things you can't control, but you gotta try to get out in front. I think Wayne Gretzky said it, playing hockey, probably one of the greatest hockey players ever. Why was he so successful? He said, I would skate to where I think the puck was going. Okay, <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty good. He had like a sixth sense or eyes in the back of his head, I guess. But um, that's probably it. I'm, I'm beyond the stage of doing the, uh, uh, when I say live uncomfortable, uh, 
I didn't bungee jump. I was thinking about it a couple times, but I didn't do that. I think I'm beyond the skydiving thing. Uh, swimming with the sharks, uh, there better be a cage, right? So down that line, I'm, I think I'm now more into longevity, uh, golf, playing a little hockey here and there or something like that. That's fine, but I don't know if I'm going to do the uh, climb Mount Kilinjaro. I don't know how you pronounce it, but I don't think I'm doing that either, or Storm Chaser. I'll, let, I'll watch that on TV or let you guys do it, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, golf can be a pretty uncomfortable sport, yeah, too. That's, just yeah, when I, it, that's more frustrating than anything I was going to say, just when you think you have it is when it's <laughs> exactly. going to teach you a lesson. So. I can several of those shots today. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wayne, thanks a lot for joining us today. I think it's a great place to wrap up the show. We really appreciate you joining us, though. And same here. Appreciate it and glad we could do it. Thank you. Yep, and Conquerors, thanks a lot for listening. That was Wayne Hare, Executive Managing Director for Newmark Knight Frank. We hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. We will talk to you next week. If you guys enjoyed that episode, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitchers, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And go ahead and click that subscribe button. It'll make sure you never miss another episode of Conquering Columbus. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to say thanks to all of our incredible sponsors one more time. Conquering Columbus is brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. And for more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. Our next sponsor you might be slightly familiar with. You may recall a previous Conquering Columbus episode we did, episode number 26. We interviewed Stuart Crane, who bootstrapped his healthware software business to an eventual $43 million exit in 2013. Well, he's back at it with a new startup called Voice Metrics, based here in Columbus, Ohio. Stuart's new company got going last fall, and they've landed a number of customers, including Crosschecks, which is one of Columbus's high-flying VC-backed companies. Voice Metrics is a voice application available for Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri that allows businesses to get their KPIs, metrics, and any business information just by asking. To give you an example of how this works, here's what it sounds like. Open Voice Metrics. Good morning, Robert. Our sales yesterday was $17,500, and we had 24 new signups. Website traffic is up 13%, and we are 82% to our monthly revenue goal. Have a great day. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them is a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software. They serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more and check out a free trial at gofmx.com. You can drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day choosing greatness greatness doesn't choose you you know you have to choose it and yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. 
This is Conquering Columbus.